0: Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Yep, no budget for theme song, so that is it. My name is Ohan, and this is Apes and Drapes. This episode is brought to you by peanuts. I have nothing special to say about them, but have really been eating a lot of them lately. They're good any time of day, especially when salted and put on yogurt with honey. Yes, peanuts. This is probably not new to you, but boy, are they delicious. All right, here we go. What am I? A strange thought. Put it into words and it becomes a real question. Without the words themselves, it's too abstract a thought to actually consider. Words make the idea of me real to me. Without words, it's difficult to make the distinction between what is me and what is the rest of the world. The boundaries are a bit blurred when we really stop to look. Because it's all made of the same stuff, and microscopes and meditation both seem to yield the same conclusion that all drawn lines are arbitrary, and that's why though anything can be made to seem like it's on either side of a line, distinctions, like our notions of self, are illusory. <laughs> poetics aside, or poetics on all sides, the brain needs to let itself know what it's doing so it can make sense of itself as part of its own environment. The brain needs to send copies of its own movement signals, called efferent signals, to other parts of itself so it doesn't confuse the body it's in control of with other things in its surroundings. Distinguishing between ourselves and the world around us is the result of a series of several processes working in tandem which create for us the seamless experience of conducting our bodies through an environment. There are plenty of things that can go wrong which result in actual neurological disorders where people are unable to recognize their own bodies. Our comfort with the distinction between what is me and what is not me is learned both subconsciously through innate mechanisms and consciously through experience, and further refine through language. There's an experiential intuition that we rely on as we develop from infancy that allows us to interact with the world. This intuition is to test our surroundings and record results. This is the fundamental aspect of learning, meaning information that changes behavior. We have mechanisms in place that learn things implicitly, like physical actions and reactions, and explicitly, like information and knowledge. At first, using processes that are innate, and then compounding those learnings into a more cohesive and intricate experience. The simple fact of interacting with the world and recording results of those interactions is a remarkable thing. All of life does it. There are learnings and refinements of actions for maximized outcomes that allow patterns of DNA to remain fluid. There are core frameworks in place that are encoded in DNA that allow life that emerges from it to learn what it needs in order to survive. The line between what we feel we have control over and what we do not, like anything, is blurry. As a side note, I differentiated between information and knowledge just now in case the distinction wasn't clear. Information is something like Paris is in France, whereas knowledge is the ability to explain what a capital city is and further what a nation state is. But of course, there are examples that fall somewhere in the middle. We're not sure exactly which aspects of framework are innate and which are learned, nor are we entirely sure how we learn, though we do have some well-tested theories about types of learning, which would require a whole episode, so we'll save that for another time. Once we try to build models of learning mechanisms, or even how the mind builds representations of sensory data to learn from, meaning where the lines are between physical brain and metaphysical thought, things start to get really blurry. And whether or not we have freedom of will, which is control over the spontaneity of thought and action, starts to look like a demarcation that we can make simply because we have the words and equations to do it. The ends of a spectrum, and the distance between any two points along it, are only as clear as their verbal or numerical definitions. From colors to shapes to thoughts, as well as from ethnicity to legality to ideology, everything is only given metaphysical clarity through explicit definition. Having said that, I'm including numbers, which are a universe unto themselves and implicitly perfectly definable. But I'm really taking into account when we apply numbers onto our reality and not onto their own reality. Of course, nothing within our human experience which is described with words or numbers will ever achieve the perfection of the universe of maths described with numbers. But that's the trade-off for having things like chocolate, I guess. The brain has encoded within it the ability to run the entire body. This is done with the movement of chemicals, which causes electrical pulses, which trigger more chemicals. You don't cognitively learn how to breathe, pump your blood, or digest nutrients. And really, there are so many things your body does, which I am not only vastly underqualified to begin listing, but which my episodes are not long enough for. We don't posit the orchestration of bodily functions into the conversations of free will, but those do determine a lot of our cognition. Now, take into account that before an infant can be given the benefit of the doubt of cognizance, meaning before we can attribute any bit of internal dialogue to it, it has one action, the ability to suck on things. The infant can also cry, which is innate, and wiggle slightly, which is also innate. And while both are important learning mechanisms crucial for its survival over time, without the reflex of sucking on things, it would die pretty quickly. And (laughs) dead babies are really only funny as jokes. Initially, the infant has no idea that what it sucks on will produce nutrients, and therefore has no idea which things to suck on to retrieve nutrients, so the sucking reflex evolved to be activated any time the infant senses something touching its lips. Now, this may seem like a big Freudian buildup, but I promise it's not. Information about the world is not likely encoded in DNA. It seems like only motor information is stored. Which, in a sense, can be said to be information about the world because we evolved within the world, and our motor functions therefore are a function of it. But, like I've said before, all lines are blurry. So the information necessary to produce the ability to suck is the first action the infant executes, because obtaining nutrients is the most fundamental of needs. So at first, the infant sucks on anything that touches its lips that it can fit its mouth around. This is not something the infant can be said to be consciously doing. This is simply a reflex. I know, the Freudians are salivating. Regardless, Early life is so bizarre that it can't even be said to be disorienting because there's no base orientation to be disoriented from. The state of the infant must be like being thrown into a pool while having an extremely high fever, because not only are you not strong enough to move your body, but orientation is something difficult to ascertain, so the experience of the infant ends up being some blurry, bleary-eyed, weary delirium. The next thing the infant does is begin to wiggle, without any particular structure or order. After the second reflex, the wiggle reflex starts up. This is a second major field of experiments the infant conducts, but which is also simply a reflex. The infant doesn't know how to quite control its body, let alone distinguish between its body and the rest of the environment. There's a passive experiment going on constantly, which is the recording and transmission of sensory information. The barriers of the sense of touch end up forming a field of awareness around the infant, which forms the sense of a body which eventually develops into the idea that the body is a firmly defined system, which of course it isn't. And we develop, among other things, a sense called proprioception, which is the ability to know where our limbs are intuitively. One of the things proprioception relies on are those copies of movements that the brain sends to itself called efference copies. These are compounded with the learnings of things like balance, coordination, and space. Once the infant is wiggled enough, it starts to act seemingly with intention. That intention is the desire for information. The infant tests its environment and its body simultaneously, learning how both react to its actions. Distinctions between large and small, hard and soft, light and heavy, are all ideas that words will later help the child define, but the infant learns them all relative to itself. Graspable, liftable, throwable, squeezable. All of it is learned through interaction and an innate sense of consistency relative to its own capacity. This consistency is crucial for the infant, just as it is crucial for the adult. Things which are not consistent with expectation are confusing. We meet confusion with some combination of fear, humor, and curiosity. This is very clear in the infant in the first few times you play peekaboo with it. The infant's first reaction is something akin to shock, where it quickly assesses whether or not your face reappearing from behind your hands is a threat, which is fear. Then it quickly scans your face, which is curiosity. Then it recognizes your face and recognizes that you've done something out of the ordinary, a lack of consistency. And it meets this break from consistency with laughter, which is humor. So let's take a high-level look into the infant's brain while this is happening. Of course, to experience anything, we have to initially receive the sensory data. All incoming data first goes through the thalamus, which is the brain's information relay center. The thalamus decides what information goes where. The first judgment the brain makes is whether or not the data it has received represents a threat. We're not even aware of this process. The brain takes care of this before we're even cognizant of what we're experiencing. The amygdala is all over it. It gets the visual data from the occipital lobe, where the thalamus has sent it to be processed, but the amygdala makes a judgment before we even have the time to extract meaning from what we're seeing. Then, if the face suddenly appearing from behind a pair of hands is deemed not dangerous, the infant will afford itself curiosity, which is taking place in the frontal lobe. And once it feels it has assessed the cause of the situation, which will require the temporal lobe as well, it will laugh, which requires the motor cortex to move the face, which requires the parietal lobe. If the child has determined the sensory data it receives is not something to fear but is not able to make sense of it it might pause or give that really adorable combination of confused laughter paired with some eyebrow scrunching as a side note please keep in mind that the order of processing in the brain is much more complicated than what i explained in that so many systems run in parallel but i wanted to paint an accurate enough overview so you could get a good general sense of the flow of information in that circumstance now An adult is no different in their assessment and reaction to stimuli. But the gradient between those three ideas is expanded out to include more nuanced behaviors because our reaction is measured against our ideas of ourselves in certain situations. And there are degrees of inhibitions in certain reactions which give rise to other social displays that we convince ourselves are the reactions we want to produce and not just the reflexes, the complex calculations taking place in our brains to deal with the strange phenomenon called human society that biology hardly knows what to do with as far as building an outcome hierarchy is concerned. And, yeah, if anyone's counting, that was a 107-word grammatically correct sentence. The brain is a strange thing. It is embedded in this fleshy structure that it itself animates, but which its animation of ultimately impacts. The brain animates the body. The animation of the body impacts the brain. Everything that is put into the body, everything we eat, drink, inhale, touch, and generally interact with impacts the brain's chemistry. This also includes the quality of the air we breathe and things we put onto our skin. There's even a little planet full of life inside the gut that research is showing has way more control over us than we previously realized. We're actually only beginning to find out the extent to which gut bacteria impacts the brain, and it's startling, to say the least. The brain lives inside of a beaker, but the walls of that beaker are made of sponge, and the environment of the beaker changes the nature of the reality that the brain is able to recreate for itself to experience. So what am I? Tough question, I'm not even sure what this episode is about. What is me? What are the limits of me? What kind of things does me react from and what kind of things does me expand to contain are all questions which upon observation either produce more questions or the absence of anything at all. The individual is not a closed or consistent system. It is a phenomenon that emerges from the functions of the body. We are all in a state of constant reactionary flux to our environments and more. What's even closer to the truth is that we, meaning our senses of self, are the vivid projections of complex systems reacting to complex environments. The capacity for the human being to turn its gaze back onto itself and utter the sound I as a means of reconciling the inherent conflict that a pile of meat that is capable of abstract thought is bound to face, to consider its own existence as separate from its environment, is simply an emergent reflex that expanded to meet the ever-growing demands of a remarkably inquisitive ape who having started with simply sucking on anything it came across has taken things pretty far for itself as a species.